This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. It's Derek C. Apollo on a special podcast today. It is an interview with the LA Times' Bill Shaken. We're going to be looking at the, st- at the stadium issue and hopefully get more information in your hands as we move into the coming months and hopefully not years, but could be. So before we get into the interview, though, we do want to go ahead and ask you if you have been listening to our, our podcast and have not subscribed, please head over to your podcast provider and subscribe or follow or whatever you do to make sure our podcast winds up in your hands the moment it's released. We'd also enjoy a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it on Apple Music if you have the time to do that. It will really help us in the ratings. Also, if you want to earn that five-star review, great. We could really use the feedback. We want to get better. We want to be the best out there. We are, and There's some great podcasts out there covering for the Angels right now. I'll tell you flat out, Taylor Blake Words podcast over there at Lockdown Angels is a good one. And we want to be among the best. So give us your feedback. We really appreciate it. Also, if you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, please do us a favor. Please text a fellow Angels fan and let them know about us. It would really help us out. We, we, we thank you. It means the world, the world to us that you take your time to listen to our show. And because of that, it's for, we go out for interviews just like this. So without further ado, here's our interview with Bill Shaken about the Angels' same situation. Here it goes. All right, folks, I'm here with Bill Shaken from the L.A. Times. He is the man, the mission for the stadium situation. Lee says, but it was told to me, and this is why I sought you out. Bill, how you doing? Good, how are you? So it's, it's a good day. It's a rainy day, but it's a good day here where I'm at. Sunshiny in California? It is, yes. <laughs> All right, so getting right into it. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I asked you on the show because I really wanted to get kind of an understanding fully of what's going on with the Angels and the Big A and the same situation out there. We have a lot of listeners in California, but you also have a lot of listeners out throughout the country, a lot of transient fans kind of follow the podcast. And so we want to get a full kind of grasp on what's going on. So for those of the, for those of that live out of town, can you give us a brief history of the, sorry, the Angels' stadium issues since the renovation in the 1990s? Yeah, basically when the Walt Disney Company bought the team from the Autry family in the mid-90s, part of the deal was that Disney would do a stadium renovation, primarily at Disney's cost. And so that's when it went from an enclosed monstrosity, because the Rams used to play there, to an actual ballpark where there's an outfield and bleachers and you can see outside the stadium. 
Um, but, you know, time has passed. The foundation of the stadium was in 1966 when it opened. So, as you'd imagine, for a building of that age, there are needs. And some of them you can see when you walk through the ballpark, whether it's, you know, some paint that's peeling or some cracking concrete. Some are infrastructure issues that you can't see um, just from where the fans sit, but certainly the players can see and the folks that work there can see. So over the last few years, the question is, how do you get the stadium up to speed if you want to keep it for another few decades? And that's sort of where we have been over the past few years and, and where we are now. So what have been some of the more recent obstacles between the Angels and the city of Anaheim when it comes to the stadium? Well, about 2013, 2014, the city and the Angels actually had agreed on a plan with the idea that in California, for the most part, uh, states, cities, counties don't pay for stadiums anymore. There's no question that the economic impact benefits are overstated, if non-existent. So the question is, all right, but the Angels already had a stadium. The city paid for it. That issue's done. What can both parties do to maintain the stadium for the long haul? And the solution that the city proposed, not Artie Marino, the Angels' owner, the city proposed was instead of the city paying to renovate the stadium, Artie Marino is the Angels' owner. You can pay. Would have been about $150 million. And then Artie said, okay, but how do I have a chance to make some money back? And the city said, well, all that land around the stadium, huge acres of parking lots, you can develop some of that. Uh, You'll do it at your expense. You can keep the profits, and you can use those to pay for the renovations. Um, Frankly, to me, it seemed like a pretty good idea. There was no risk to the city whatsoever. The city wasn't spending a dime. But what had come up when the plan was proposed was two things. One is, well, if the Angels do make a profit above and beyond that $150 million, what happens to that money? Should the city share in some of that profit? And number two, what should the cost be to the Angels to get that land in the first place? Should they be able to lease it for a dollar a year, which was the original city proposal? Uh, it sort of went off the tracks after that. It never happened, and all was quiet until the Angels opted out of their lease last fall. So now, years later, what options do the Angels have in relation to their stadium situation? Basically, what they had to decide last fall was, do we opt out knowing that our window to opt out is expiring, or do we just play out the lease through 2029? And Artie Marino had said the year before that's what he planned on doing. What had happened in the interim, we know now, is that Long Beach had approached the Angels and said, hey, would you be interested And, of course, why not? Sure, make us a proposal. And in the meantime, uh, the Angels at least knew when the opt-out deadline rolled around that two things were happening. One was that they might actually have a plan B in Long Beach. And two was that there was going to be an election for mayor in Anaheim. And the man who led the charge against the proposed deal five or six years ago as mayor was out of office. He was running into term limits. He could not be reelected. And so the Angels were betting that between the fact that there would be a new mayor in Anaheim and the fact that they might have an option in Long Beach, probably they should opt out. This was a good chance to do that. All right. So now they've done that and we've seen like the, the Long Beach proposal, well, mentions of it. Is 
well, what will be the pros and cons of building a stadium in Long Beach? And given the recent reported price tag of the area and the stadium itself and the surrounding building of $1.1 billion, is it a reasonable option? Well, unless you see the specific plan, which has not been made public, and I don't even know that there is a, a final one that Long Beach has come up with, um, it's hard to answer that question for sure. What we know is that in Anaheim, there is a stadium already there, so you have an option. You could build a new one right next to it in the parking lot, or you could renovate the one you have. That might be a more economical option. Um, you also have land that the city has made clear for some time it would like to develop, whether Artie does it or somebody else. It would like to see restaurants and shops and the phrase that was used by a city official when I interviewed him was L.A. Live on steroids, which is the big entertainment district around Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. So the land is there. It's ready to go. All the city zoning and, and permits and stuff, almost all done. You could put a shovel in the ground pretty quickly. Um, in Long Beach, you wouldn't have that. You'd have only an option to build a new stadium, and you would have it, on a waterfront lot, which for scenery sounds great, but creates complications because not only do you have to get city approvals, but you also have to get the approval of the California Coastal Commission. And that by no means is a slam dunk. Is it, now, years ago, I remember reading that other areas around, you know, around Southern California, what was it, Tustin or something like that, had shown some interest as well, or that already had shown some interest. Is it possible we could see the Angels relocate anywhere else in the region or anywhere else in the country? Well, remember that Artie Moreno put millions of dollars in his own money into defending himself against the lawsuit the city of Anaheim filed when he changed the name from Anaheim Angels to Los Angeles Angels. And Artie won. The city said, your lease doesn't let you do that. And it turned out the lease actually did. The lease needed to be a little bit more tightly written. Mm -hmm. So... Artie is very much invested in the Los Angeles market, which includes Anaheim. I don't necessarily mean the city of Los Angeles. Um, he believes it's key to increasing his team's revenues. Um, the idea that you would leave Southern California to go to a smaller market where your revenues are going to go down, your media money is going to go down because your television partner would be reaching a smaller audience, um, there's no sense in that. There's no point. I mean, I know people from... Portland and Las Vegas, and, oh, we'll take the Angel. That's great, but they're not moving, at least not under this owner. Um, and Artie show no interest in, in selling the team. Um, so you're left with Southern California, and right now the Angels say the only parties they're talking to are Long Beach and Anaheim. So those are your two options at this point. You mentioned it's nonsensical for the team to move, but we've seen a team from Anaheim, the Rams, move in the early 90s. So you, you could imagine some fans would probably still be a little nervous about it, but the difference here would be that Artie's invested in the L.A. area, Georgia Frontier wasn't. Is that a reasonable conclusion to make? Now, the difference is that the television money is structured much differently okay. in the NFL. So what happens in the NFL, every game is a national telecast. It's on a national network. And that doesn't mean, of course, you get to see every game from every team on your TV at home unless you buy the DirecTV Sunday ticket. But what it means is the networks pay the money directly to the NFL. The NFL splits it equally among all the teams. And as television money becomes a greater and greater source 
of revenue for teams in every sport, um, it, it makes the ticket money almost less important. So the NFL can have a team in Green Bay and have it be successful, even though Green Bay is tiny in comparison to every other NFL city because the Packers get the same television money as a team in New York or in Los Angeles. In baseball, it's the local television market that's more important. Most of the games are not on national television. You might get a game, you know, on Saturday on Fox, on Sunday on ESPN, and otherwise it's pretty much nothing until the postseason. So that makes your local TV revenue, your cable company that carries the team, and in the Angels' case, it's Fox Sports West, uh, much more important. And the money that a team would get in television revenue depends on the market size, which is ultimately how many people live there. And there's no way that you could get nearly as much television revenue in a Portland or Las Vegas or St. Louis, for that matter, as you could get in Southern California. So what you're saying is you'd have to be high as a kite as a businessman to, to leave the L.A. market right now for a Portland or Las Vegas. Well, I mean, there, there are ways to make it happen. I mean, if Portland or Las Vegas, just as an example, turns to Artie Marino and says, we will build you the finest stadium in the history of mankind at zero cost to you. Well, that's more than a billion dollars. Hmm, okay. That's something I might have to think about. But the television revenue goes far beyond, uh, you know, what the stadium decision might be. So it would sway the factors. I don't think it would change the ultimate decision. So what are the odds the Angels reach a deal for renovating Anaheim Stadium or building a new stadium there? Well, it's hard to say because they haven't actually started negotiations. Uh, the city of Anaheim has commissioned an appraisal, which is basically get a land value for what the stadium and parking lot land would go for if they just put it up for sale on the open market. So they have an idea, here's what this land is worth and how should we proceed in our negotiations. That will have a huge influence in deciding what the proposal is for Anaheim. And of course, in Long Beach, uh, to this point, the city has not commissioned an appraisal. So they seem a little more willing to, um, how can I phrase this, grant the angels a little more economic relief, if you will. Um, the city seems mm -hmm. willing to at least consider paying for a stadium. Uh, their internal documents that have been released publicly have at least shown that they've commissioned a study that shows ways they could pay for it. Now, whether that actually happens, who knows? That would be a very tough hurdle for any politician to climb in this day and age. You know, why would Long Beach commit taxpayer dollars to a stadium when Los Angeles wouldn't do it, when San Diego wouldn't do it, you know, when Anaheim is most likely not going to do it? Um, you know, it, it's a tough fight. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen, but it's something that would be a challenge. Read the tea leaves here for us a little bit. What do you think will happen with the Angels in the same situation in SoCal right now? Well, what the Angels have said is uh, they have some information from Long Beach. They want to get some more. Uh, and then, of course, they want to get negotiations started with Anaheim this summer. And then they'll see where they are, and they can figure out what the best deal is. Um, one of the things I think you cannot overestimate the impact of is how easy is it going to be for fans to get to a game? And while it might be a strictly economic issue, if you say who's going to help us the most financially between Anaheim and Long Beach, but 
if you're annoying your fans, maybe that's not such a great thing either. <laughs> so I think one of the advantages Anaheim has is that if you go to a game there, you can get in and out pretty quickly. And, you know, don't try this at a Dodger game. You can never do it that quickly there. But the reason is because, you know, the Dodgers stadium is up on a hill and there's a limited capacity into how you can get out. Uh, the Angel Stadium is flat. You can pour out pretty fast. Uh, one turn, you're on the 57 freeway. Another turn, you're on the 5 freeway. Another turn, you're on the 22 or the 91. The 55 is right there. And there's a train station in the parking lot. And as mass transit becomes more of a thing in Southern California with the population base getting more crowded, uh, I think that's going to be important. I don't know if the high-speed rail ever happens, but some rail will uh, increase, and there's already rail right there. In Long Beach, uh, they do get people in and out for the Long Beach Grand Prix every year at the same site where the Angels would presumably play. That's one weekend a year. Whether you can have the kind of traffic on a level of a major league baseball stadium for 81 days a year, I think is something Long Beach is still working through because you basically only have the 710 that takes you into Long Beach for a freeway option. Your mass transit option is the blue line, which goes right to downtown Los Angeles. Uh, and that's great if you're coming from LA, but the angels fan base is orange County. So that's not going to help them whatsoever. So, it's a challenge that Long Beach is going to have to address. And, you know, I think that's something they're, they're going to have to figure out how they can persuade the angels to see that Long Beach would be a way that would be viable and would not inconvenience their fan base. I can't help but think that a move to Long Beach would hurt the fan base in a lot of the same ways a move from the Memorial Coliseum hurt the Rams going on to Anaheim all those years ago, displacing fans. Fans didn't want to travel from, one section of the region to the other, and I would also imagine that, and tell me if I'm wrong, that most of the fans of Long Beach are probably already Dodger fans at this point. We, you'd have to, a challenge just to, to win over new fans there. Am I wrong? Am I wrong in this thinking? Or? Um, you might. I mean, I think on the first thing with the Rams and moving from L.A. to Anaheim, uh, remember that those games are primarily played on Sunday afternoon, so traffic isn't going to be very much of an issue. Um, and toward the end of the Rams' time in Anaheim, it was clear the, the issue was that they were a terrible team and people didn't want to support that. But um, in baseball, as you know, the games are mostly played at night, after work, and after school. And at least getting to a game, if not getting home, has to do with traffic, after-work traffic. And after-work traffic like most traffic in Southern California, is not a lot of fun. So if the Angels moved to Long Beach, they would have to bet that their fans would be willing to put up with that. And then there's the question of, well, where are most of their friends coming from? And if the Angels decide, we have a huge pocket of fans, say, in Huntington Beach, that's probably not going to be a whole lot different because Huntington Beach right, is right in between. If you say your biggest pocket of fans is South Orange County, Irvine, uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, Mission Viejo, that area, um, that would be a huge problem. So, again, I don't know what the Angels are thinking on that score, and I don't know what Long Beach will ultimately propose to try and satisfy those fans. Uh, you would imagine you would make up some fan base from people in Long Beach who would be excited about having their own team because they don't now. Um, some are Dodger fans, probably some probably Angel fans right now. 
Um, again, that's that's something that would all go into the equation. We don't know what the the calculus is right now. All right, Bill. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on today and kind of explain this for us. I'm guessing we'll we'll want to ask you back again later on once the negotiations get underway between the city and the team. Can you let people know where to find you and how to keep track of your work? Yeah, I mean, on Twitter, the easiest way to find me is at Bill Shaken, S H A I K I N, and everything I wrote goes on the LA Times website at latimes.com/sports. You come highly regarded, so thanks so much for coming the show. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us, and we'll talk again soon. All right, take care. Thank you. Right, thank you, Bill. That was a nice interview, Bill. We really appreciate him taking the time to work with us on, on coming on the show and just helping everybody get informed about the same situation. It could be over real quickly. It could be something that takes some time. Who knows? We'll find out as time goes on as to how this gets solved. But the big thing for everybody involved, for everybody involved is to be informed. As a fan, you're involved. As a person that follows the team, no matter where you are, you are involved in the direction of the franchise and the things they do. So information is always power. So there you go. All right, so before we go, some stuff just to get out there. Sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor us or want to advertise with us, reach out to us at talkinghills.gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, can help us get the lights on. Also, leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos and search for our page on Facebook. You can find me, Derek C. Paul, at DC Paul. You can find John Crane, our regular co-host, at Jake's Crane John. Don't forget on Spreaker, Spotify, all those wonderful places, Apple Music. Follow us there. So, without further ado, it's time to get out of here. For the entire team, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. Have a great one. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.